Welcome to Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone in the Libertarian Institute. This is a summary of Thomas Sowell's thesis in Black Rednecks and White Liberals. The summary is by Thomas Sowell in a book titled Economic Facts and Fallacies. Many of the social or cultural differences between American blacks and American whites nationwide today were, in antebellum times, pointed out as differences between white Southerners and white Northerners. These include ways of talking, rates of crime and violence, children born out of wedlock, educational attainment, and economic initiative or lack thereof. While only about one-third of the antebellum white population of the United States lived in the South, at least 90% of American blacks lived in the South on into the 20th century. In short, the great majority of blacks lived in a region with a culture that proved to be less productive and less peaceful for its inhabitants in general. Moreover, opportunities to move beyond that culture were more restricted for blacks. The legacy of the Southern culture is more readily documented in the behavior of later generations than in the legacy of slavery, which some distinguished 19th century writers said explained the behavior of antebellum Southern whites and which later writers said explained the behavior behavior of blacks. In reality, the regional culture of the South existed in particular regions of Britain in centuries past, regions where people destined to settle in the American South exhibited the same behavior patterns before they immigrated to the American South. They were called crackers and rednecks before they crossed the Atlantic and before they ever saw a slave. As a well-known Southern historian said, we do not live in the past, but the past lives in us. Educational and intellectual performance is a readily documented area where the persistence of culture can be tested. As late as the First World War, white soldiers from various Southern states scored lower on mental tests than black soldiers from various Northern states. Not only did black soldiers have the advantage of better schools in the North, they also had an opportunity for the Southern culture to begin to erode in their new surroundings. Over the years, much has been made of the fact that blacks score lower than whites nationwide on mental tests. From this, some observers have concluded that this is due to a racial difference, and others have concluded that this is due to some sort of deficiency or bias in the test. But neither explanation would account for white Southerners' mental test scores in the First World War. Whatever the sources of the lower educational or intellectual attainments among blacks, there are major economic and social consequences of such differences. For many years, blacks received a lesser quantity and quality of education in the Southern schools that most attended. But even after the quantity gap was eliminated by the late 20th century, the qualitative gap remained large. The test scores of black 17-year-olds in a variety of academic subjects were the same as the scores of whites several years younger. That is obviously not a basis for expecting equal results in an economy increasingly dependent on mental skills. Both history and statistics reveal the fallacy of the legacy of slavery explanation for current social pathology in America's black ghettos. 
Senator Edward Brooke, who grew up in Washington's black community in the 1920s and 30s, summarized in a few words what many statistics confirm. For young people growing up in America today, stories of my youth will seem almost incomprehensible. It will require the suspension of their sense of reality to picture a time when the large areas of Washington, D.C. were truly safe, when families stayed together, neighbors helped one another, students were encouraged to study, and there were no drugs or drive-by shootings. The world that Senator Brooke described was generations closer to the era of slavery than generations pervaded by the ghetto social pathology all too familiar in our own times. Moreover, many remarkably similar pathologies have been found in a study of a white lower-class community in Britain where none of the familiar explanations of slavery, racism, or discrimination apply. What lower-class white communities in Britain and black ghettos in the United States have in common is a pattern of social pathologies that became pronounced in the latter half of the 20th century when similar ideas and policies became dominant in both countries. Britain was once one of the most law-abiding nations on earth, but by 1995, its crime rate in most categories was higher than that in the United States. In both countries, politicians, activists, and ideologues who claimed to have solutions instead made many problems worse than before. Thank you for watching Keith Knight. Don't tread on anyone and the Libertarian Institute.